from this episode. People are stressed about missing their flights. They're stressed about the possibility of their flight getting canceled. Really, they're stressed about so many aspects of it. But the stress starts long before travelers even head to the airport. About 61% of people are concerned with finding a good flight deal. And they're concerned about how long they should wait before jumping on that flight booking. This is Flying Smarter, the podcast that explores the fascinating world of air travel to help you become a smarter and savvier traveler. While flying can be stressful and frustrating, the world of commercial aviation is also incredibly intriguing. Flying Smarter delves into the miraculous and often misunderstood realm of air travel by sharing stories and experiences, looking at how things work in the air travel industry, and providing tips and advice for your next trip. Your host, Andrew, is here to answer your questions about flying and explore different aspects of the air travel experience to make you a better informed and better prepared traveler for your next flight. Welcome to episode 52 of Flying Smarter. I'm Andrew and I'm your host and that was our new podcast introduction. As I mentioned in episode 50, I've always wanted to have a bit more of a professional sounding intro than what I was doing before, and I'm glad to have finally made that a reality. If you missed the old music though, don't worry, it's not gone, you'll still hear it during the quote-unquote did you know segment or the fun fact segment in the middle of the episode. Anyway, in this episode, I'm going to start off by looking at how you can fly on the world's largest airliner, the Airbus E380 these days. And then for the main segment, I'm chatting with Expedia travel expert Christy Hudson, who is here to share some air travel hacks and travel trends for the coming year. Now, let's get started. Where can I fly on an Airbus A380 these days? About a year ago, we released episode 26, which was all about the Airbus A380. The A380 is the world's largest airliner and has the distinctive look as the only passenger airliner out there with a full upper deck. Nicknamed the Super Jumbo, the four-engine jet has a capacity of over 600 passengers. Now the A380 was a game changer. Beyond its capacity, it brought things like showers on commercial flights, upstairs boarding, and airport gates that needed to be modified to accommodate the new jumbo jet. Unfortunately, the aircraft was not all that successful commercially, and production ended during the COVID-19 pandemic. Even though production of the A380 has ceased, it's still in service with a number of airlines, and will continue to fly for years to come. There are currently 10 A380 operators, up from 8 when I did the A380 episode at the beginning of last year. Here's where you can still fly on the Airbus A3 these days, as of the time of publication of this episode. All Nippon Airways is one of Japan's two major international carriers. Its fleet of A380s is kind of unique. The airline only has three of the jets and uses them to fly exclusively between Tokyo and Honolulu, a very popular route for Japanese leisure traffic. Asiana flies its A380s from Seoul to two destinations in Asia, Tokyo and Bangkok, and two long-haul destinations, Sydney and Los Angeles. British Airways is the largest European operator of the A380, with 12 aircraft currently in the fleet. Its A380s operate out of the airline's hub at London Heathrow, flying mostly to North American destinations like Chicago, San Francisco, and Miami. The airline also uses them on a few other long-haul destinations like Dubai and Johannesburg. 
Emirates is by far the world's largest operator of A380s, with over a hundred of the aircraft in its fleet. The airline flies its massive A380 fleet to destinations all around the globe from its hub in Dubai. Etihad Airways has 10 A380s, but only three or four of them are currently in service. It is also a UAE-based airline, and the airline uses the Super Jumbo on a single route between Abu Dhabi and London. Now, Astiana is not the only Korean A380 operator. Korean Air currently has a few of them in service, and uses them to fly from Seoul to New York and Los Angeles. German carrier Lufthansa reactivated its A380 fleet last summer after putting them in stores during the pandemic, like many other airlines did. During the winter months, the airline is currently only flying them between Munich and Bangkok and Los Angeles, but it has scheduled it for various other routes in the summer. Qantas primarily uses its A380s on the famous Kangaroo route, which connects Sydney to London via Singapore. It also has an A380 route between Melbourne and Los Angeles. The A380 is also used on some flights between Sydney and Singapore. Qatar Airways' A380s fly to a global slate of destinations from its Doha hub, including Paris, Bangkok, and Sydney. And finally, there's Singapore Airlines, the launch customer for the A380 back in 2007. The airline still has around a dozen airframes in service, using them to connect Singapore to destinations like Sydney, Auckland, Delhi, Tokyo, and London. Now as you can see, there are still lots of opportunities to fly the Airbus A380, wherever you are in the world. To learn more about the Super Jumbo, check out episode 26 of Flying Smarter, in which I talk more about this spectacular aircraft in the main segment of that episode. Did you know that there are airline lounges specifically intended for arriving passengers? When we think of airport lounges, we typically think of spaces for travelers to spend their time before their flight or during a connection. But there are a small number of lounges out there that are designed for arriving passengers. Most prominently, there are a number of these at London Heathrow, including a joint Air Canada United Arrivals Lounge, a British Airways Arrivals Lounge, and an American Airlines Arrivals Lounge. These lounges offer showers and food and are geared towards passengers in premium cabins who are getting off their early morning arrivals in London and want to freshen up before going about the rest of their day. Christy Hudson is a travel expert, data correspondent, and head of PR for Expedia US. She is a pro at turning travel data into tips and advice to help people get the most out of their travels. As one of the largest travel technology companies out there, Expedia has access to tons of travel data that can be used to help us fly and travel smarter. I'm very excited to have Christy here to share the intel and tips that they've gathered. Christy, welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Hi, thanks for having me. So we're here today to talk about two reports that Expedia has put together. There's the 2024 Air Travel Hacks Report and then Unpack 24, which is like a broader travel trends report. Now, this is a podcast about air travel, so I think Air Travel Hacks is a good place to start. Tell us about the Air Hacks Report, what it is, what type of data goes into it, and kind of how it all gets put together. Absolutely. Well, the Air Travel Hacks Report is an annual report that Expedia has been putting together for over a decade at this point. And it's evolved over the years. It started out as kind of a broad travel hacks one where it tapped into like lodging hacks and, you know, all sorts of other things. But it's really in the last couple of years honed in on hacking air travel. And I think that's because, you know, it's one of the most dynamic parts of the travel landscape. It's the thing that people are constantly looking for ways 
to hack? Um, what's the secret? What's the code? How do the people who are frequent flyers do it? So it, it, there's just a ton of appetite for those tricks and tips. Um, so we focused on that. And Expedia has this massive amount of booking data and search data at our fingertips. But for this report, we actually partner with a third-party company. They're called the Airlines Reporting Corporation. And they're not affiliated with Expedia. They're actually affiliated with the airlines. And they are the world's largest repository of global air ticketing data. And what that means is they, and they don't love me saying this in such absolute terms, but they have nearly, you know, every booked and flown flight for every major airline globally. And that means we're looking at billions of data points of actual booked and flown flights for this report. And if you compare that to some of the other reports that are out there that other brands or companies do, they might be cherry picking, looking at a couple thousand flight searches, not even booked tickets searches. So it just doesn't really compare. So, um, yeah, we feel really strongly about this report because of that data set we're looking at. And when we find these hacks from it, um, you can really trust it because it's based on on real, real data. That's fantastic. And I'm sure that at Expedia, you folks have a lot of your own data as well. But to use a broader set of data, which, like you said, encompasses almost all booked and flown flights out there, that's even better, right? It makes the analysis more helpful and more applicable to all travelers. And it makes the data not just based on and geared towards those who use Expedia, but for air travelers more broadly. Exactly. Now, before we get into the core data of the reports, I wanted to bring up something that I thought was particularly interesting. So with Flying Smarter in the podcast here, I try to discuss topics that will help people become savvier and better informed travelers. And part of the premise there is that air travel can be very stressful sometimes. Now, maybe it's not part of the actual quote-unquote hacks part of the report, but I saw in there that there was some commentary and polling done about stressors and was hoping that you could tell me about that. Yeah, and you know, it's New Year's Day, so what better time to talk about stress, making things less stressful than um, than around air travel. So yeah, as part of this report, we wanted to understand what was causing people's stress about air travel in particular. If you've been at the airport or on an airplane recently, you've probably noticed that people are stressed. It's a high stress, high emotion um, situation. <laughs> so what is it exactly? We did a survey and we found that, you know, People are stressed about missing their flights. They're stressed about the possibility of their flight getting canceled. They're stressed about whether they forgot to pack something. I mean, really, they're stressed about so many aspects of it. But one thing that was interesting is the stress starts long before travelers even head to the airport. About 61% of people are concerned with finding a good flight deal. And they're concerned about how long they should wait before jumping on that flight booking. So there's just a lot of um, uncertainty and a lack of confidence around kind of how to find a good deal and what a good deal looks like, which is, you know, great to hear because that's really what this report aims to kind of address for people. Well, if booking and getting a good deal is a common stressor for for people, I think maybe that's a good place to get started. But before we get into it, I want to preface this just by pointing out that when we're going to talk about domestic and international travel, we're talking about in the context of the United States. And for those who are living outside of the US, uh, I understand that Expedia also does air hacks reports for a bunch of other markets around the world as well. Is that right? Yep, that's right. We do this report in 10 markets. So um, there is a there's a Canadian version, there's a French version, there's, you know, if you live in the UK. But yes, for um, the stats that I'm going to be talking about, this is based on uh, people departing from the US. Okay, when gotcha. We say domestic, mm -hmm. it's yeah, US to US and um, international would be US to anywhere else. 
Okay, that's perfect. And uh, most of our listeners are based in the US, but for those who aren't, uh, it's great that there's also uh, versions available for the data in different markets as well. So now getting back to getting a good deal, how far in advance should travelers be booking their flights? The data shows that about a month in advance, so about 28 days out for domestic flights, is the best bet. And that's going to save you up to 24%, which is pretty massive. Um, And international airfare, you should book around 60 days out, but no more than four months in advance. And that's going to help you get the best price, but also the right amount of availability, right? You don't want to wait too close to when the flight takes off, even if there's a small chance of kind of getting that last minute deal, because you may not have a good selection in terms of routes. You may have to do a bunch of connections, you know, so getting that optimal availability and savings 60 days out is about the right time. There used to be an adage that uh, it was cheapest to do the booking of your flights on a Tuesday, but that had to do with how airlines loaded their fares and sales. But with everything more dynamic now, the Tuesday thing isn't really the case anymore. But the AirHacks data shows that there are certain days where it's statistically better to book on, right? Yes. So there actually is a best day of the week to book. This is always a hot topic. And some people you know, say it's a myth. But based on all these billions of data points, the best day of the week to book is Sunday. So you'll save money on, by booking on a Sunday. The report found that booking flights on a Sunday can save you up to 13% on your ticket price on average, as opposed to booking on a Friday, which is when airfare is at its most expensive. So one of the ways that people can save money when booking is to have some flexibility around their travel dates. And I think that's fairly well known, right? Yeah. And now, of course, we don't always have this luxury all the time. But when we do, when should we be booking our travel for? Because I know there's some data out there around this as well, like in terms of which days you should be traveling on in order to save money. Yeah, no, exactly. When you start your trip matters a lot. So the report shows that you want to depart on a Thursday and not a Sunday, Sunday being the priciest day. And the average savings is around 16%. I will say that is especially important if you're traveling during peak periods. So, you know, the spring breaks of the world, the summers, the holiday time period, you know, more so than when you book your ticket, it's really going to be departure dates that matter. If you're traveling over like a holiday weekend, avoiding that kind of most popular day, whether it's the Friday before um, or the Saturday before, And just shifting your dates up a few days or back a few days, like that's going to save you the most, especially during peak periods. So that's a really important one. And then there's the big one, which is seasonality, which has a huge impact on prices and what kinds of deals that you can get. And I'm sure that's not changing in the coming years. Yeah. You know, we saw a lot of changes happen to air travel and air prices and things like that during the pandemic. And so, you know, a lot of what we look at when we're doing analysis like this is we compare it to 2019 versus comparing it to, you know, 2020 or 2021 right. because you know as far as the air industry is concerned 2019 was kind of the last time things were quote unquote normal. That said, you know, the further we get from 2020, the more we are starting to see trends stabilize instead of completely fluctuate wildly. So, last year 2022, well, now 2 years ago, so 2022, the prices were just going up and up and up and up as airlines tried to make up for kind of the drop off of travel, as demand started to pick back up. Um, And then we saw that trend kind of continue. 
when we looked at this report for 2024, we saw that things are really starting to stabilize. So you're not continuing to see air prices just skyrocket. But like you said, seasonality is still going to be a factor. So traveling during, you know, that June, July, um, traveling during the Christmas time period, those are always going to be the priciest times. Um, so traveling during the shoulder season, as we call it in the industry, or, you know, the kind of low periods is a really smart way to save on travel as well. Yeah, no, for sure. And if you're able to travel during shoulder season, that's for sure a big way to save money on your travels there. Now we've talked about booking and that part of planning. And so now maybe we can move on to something a little more substantive or a little sexier in the sense of we can look at the destinations and where we're traveling. Mm -hmm. So like when you have access to large quantities of booking and search data, I understand that there's some trends that emerge. What are sort of the popular destination trends that you're seeing? Well, just from a most popular standpoint, there are some places that are just never going to drop off that list. Um, Las Vegas, New York, Orlando, like Los Angeles, these are places that are going to continue to see high amounts of travelers every single year because they offer such unique things because, you know, they're business hubs and they're leisure hubs. So those are not going anywhere. But when we looked at what's trending, so the places that are seeing the big year over year like search increases, we noticed that they they get a little bit more interesting than those kind of tried and true destinations. Travelers are looking for less crowded and less obvious alternatives to popular destinations, to popular vacation spots because of the massive amount of demand that's happening. Places are crowded, you know, going to Rome and standing 20 feet back from the Trevi Fountain, while it is still a bucket list moment, it's not what people really are looking for or hoping for right now. So Expedia looked at this and we kind of dubbed the trend as a destination dupe trend. So are you familiar with kind of the viral dupes that have been all over mm -hmm. TikTok, right? So it's like beauty, um, athleisure, everything. People are looking for more affordable alternatives, and that trend has hit travel as well. So we've defined these dupes as a little unexpected, sometimes more affordable, but every bit as delightful as the kind of tried and true destinations that travelers love. So some examples of the dupe destinations that are seeing really big spikes in searches are Taipei. Um, it's considered a dupe for Seoul. A lot of people have been heading back to Asia destinations since the borders reopened, you know, a year and a half to two years ago. Um, so Taipei, Curacao has been seeing a lot of interest. It's a island in the Caribbean for those who aren't familiar. Pattaya uh, in Thailand as a dupe for the kind of more popular Bangkok. Perth is a kind of sister city or smaller city to Sydney. Liverpool instead of London. Palermo instead of Lisbon. So you can see kind of the trend. These are places that offer a bit of the same type of experience, but they're a little less expected and might be a little quieter in terms of tourism. Mm -hmm. And that's super interesting. And I've been to some of those places myself, and it's not like you get a lesser experience or anything. Exactly. You know, maybe it's not the glitzy Seoul or London, but these are still fantastic places to visit with their own culture, their food and local experiences that can give you a similar feel and a great trip and experience. But it might be less touristy, which is appealing to a lot of people, exactly. or it might be less crowded or cheaper to get to. Right. Yeah, exactly. And so now we're in the territory of the broader travel trends report. Um, can you tell us about that and what sort of data goes into that? 
Yes, travel trends. It's one of my favorite things that we get to do every year. So we look at a massive amount of data. We look at trending destinations. We look at top destinations. We look at hotel and lodging trends. We look at kind of what's happening in the macro world of travel and pop culture. And we start to draw themes, right? So um, this year, the last two years, it's been a an effort that we do not just with Expedia, but we partner with our our other brands here at Expedia Group, Hotels.com and Verbo. So we get a really nice comprehensive view of destinations, hotel and lodging trends, vacation rental trends, and we wrap all of that into one huge travel trends report that kind of dictates what's, you know, what's going to happen for travelers, what's influencing their decision making, um, why are people going where they're going? what's behind it and really explaining the the why and the how. Yeah. So like you mentioned there, it, it looks at what types of things sort of influence travelers. And so what have you found there? Yeah. So we talked a little bit about wanting to get off the beaten path and like find a little bit of uh, an unexpected alternative. That's one of them. The other thing we're seeing is um, something we call tour tourism. So in the last two years, we've seen major artists like Taylor Swift and Beyonce and many, many, many others. Um, launch global tours. And people aren't just catching the tour dates in their hometown. They are using those concerts as an excuse to visit a new place. So we saw that happen in 2023. and 2024, we will continue to see it be the year of concert tourism. You know, 60% of the travelers that we polled say that they've also researched and booked a trip to a destination after seeing it on a TV show or seeing it in a movie. Game of Thrones is a big one from a couple years ago. We saw Iceland and Croatia really take off um, after Game of Thrones started um, becoming really popular. I actually went to Dubrovnik and um, and definitely had that King's Landing moment. So this Mm -hmm. resonates with me. But then you think about some of the shows that are coming out where the destination is almost a character in the show. Mm -hmm. I think of like the White Lotus, right? Um, the four seasons in um, Hawaii that they were at for the first season. This last season was in Sicily and we saw search spike. The second that comes out, searches to Sicily spiked like triple digits. Um, So people are curious to go where these places are. And then next season for White Lotus is in Thailand and we're already seeing spikes for, for that. So it's just such an interesting phenomenon. Emily in Paris is another great example. Obviously Paris is an essential character. It's part of the show just as much as she is. And um, every time we see a new season drop, the, the spikes um, in searches for Paris happen right afterwards. It's a trend we've called set jetting. And it's another one that's just not going anywhere. We saw it happen in 2023, and it's going to continue into the coming year. Christy Hudson is a travel expert, data correspondent, and head of PR for Expedia US. She is exceptionally passionate about travel, data, and communications, and strives to use travel data to help people make the most out of their next trip. You can find Expedia's 2024 air hacks and travel trends reports online, and we'll include links to that in our episode description. Well, thank you so much for being here today to share the super interesting and valuable information with us. Really appreciate you being here. Thanks so much for coming onto the podcast, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. Please take a minute and follow us on social media where you'll find things like podcast updates, additional content, visuals of things we talk about, and sneak peeks. Flying Smarters on Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Flying Smarter, 
and on Twitter at flying underscore smarter. That brings us to the end of episode 52 of Flying Smarter. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll talk to you again soon.